I like it when Cedron goes before me. It's like John the Baptist, man. He's just preparing a way. Yeah. Welcome to the house of the Lord this morning, everyone. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. May the peace of the Lord be with you. Why don't you look at somebody around the room? You can point this morning, point to them. If you know their name, shout their name across the room. May the peace of the Lord be with you. Carrie Jean, Haley, may the peace of the Lord be with you today. Cornelius's, may the peace of the Lord be with you. Sam, may the peace of the Lord be with you, sweetie. May the peace of God Almighty rest upon you today. I feel like today is going to be special. I don't know what it is, but I just feel like it's going to be special today. <laughs> Speaking of special, yesterday we had a beautifully special service with our very own Ron and Krista Young, who renewed their vows of 24 years. I'm so proud of you. Guys, I'm telling you, it was holy. I went down to one of their friends, one of their sisters who was here. She says, I thought we were just coming for, you know, a cute little vows renewal service, but it was an experience. She said it was an experience. They have friends here all the way from Michigan. Shanita, Latresa, and Jawan, we welcome you guys. Thank you so much for being here. They sent the best of the best. They sent their elders and chief intercessor here. This is life in the house. I need y'all to come and teach 9 o'clock service how to do this thing. I'm just, I ain't even kidding, man. Sadron said, hey, ladies. He says, where are the ladies at? And he was like, boop, boop. If you're a lady in the house, I want you to find another lady and just say, I see you. And now, and now look at them and say, I see you. There it is. It's going to be special. That's just next Saturday, isn't it? Next Saturday here in this place, here in this house. So ladies, come on out. And it's going to be a powerful, powerful time of ministry for all the women in the house. Invite you, you ladies to come out. I want us to, before we jump into the word, pray for a couple of friends that are on my heart. Those of you who know Laura Lee Kipp, she's in the hospital right now. And it seems as if in the natural that things are getting worse. But we are going to pray today for God's kingdom to come, for the healing presence and power of God to enter into her room. I have a really good friend of mine, Ken Harmon, who's the one of the associate pastors at New Life Downtown. And he's been in the hospital for over a week. And so would you join me this morning as we pray, Father, we come mightily and boldly into the presence of God. Father, we pray that you would, we know that you're there, but we ask that there would just be an influx and an infilling of the presence of God to come right now into Ken's room, into Laura Lee's room. Father, we pray that their bodies would experience an infusion of the life of God himself, that the healing power of God would touch their lungs, that any and every form of virus that is afflicting their body and causing their body to be weakened or damaged or destroyed in any way, God, that you would reverse it, that you would restore their bodies, that you would heal their bodies, that you would give wisdom and grace to the doctors and the nurses and all the medical team and staff that are ministering, God. We believe this is their ministry, and we pray that you would empower them and anoint them in their ministry to bring the healing power of God to bear. And, Father, we cover our families and their, uh, their, their families as well. We ask that you would bring peace and grace to their families in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I welcome all of you. Thanks for joining us today in the house of the Lord. 
And for those of you who are joining us online, I know the Kips typically join us and the Ruizes and Jody Bowersox. We love you guys so much. Cannot wait to be with you guys in person. We pray today that whether you're joining us online or you are here with us in person, that you encounter the radical hospitality of God himself, which means that you're more than just welcome. You're wanted and that you belong that you belong in a family. The scriptures teach us as the people of God that he sets the lonely in families. And one of the assignments of the enemy against the church of the living God is to fracture us and make us so dysfunctional that we cannot be a family that he could set the lonely in. He wants to put lonely people into a family because God created families to raise up sons and daughters and he needs families to be whole and healthy so that they can raise up whole and healthy people. So today we welcome you, but we also say you belong here. You belong in a family that God has prepared for you. We've been in a series over the past four weeks called Praying with Jesus. It's a series on the Lord's Prayer. There's a scripture in the book of Luke where Jesus' disciples come to Jesus And they're having a little bit of a whining session. They say, Jesus, all of John's disciples are being taught how to pray. And we don't know how to pray. And that tells us something, that we don't intuitively know how to pray. But Jesus then begins to teach the disciples how to pray. There is a way to prayer. It's not just a matter of kind of spouting off your ideas or telling God everything that you want. There is a logic. There is a wisdom. There is a strategy. There is a sequence to prayer. We've been learning over the past couple of weeks that Jesus teaches us when we begin with prayer, begin by saying our Father. And the reason why this matters is is because if we don't see God rightly, every other part of the prayer is disrupted. It's affected. It's negatively affected. How can you ask God, give me this day my daily bread if you don't believe he's a good father? Back in your mind, you'll be suspicious and you'll think, can I really ask God today for daily bread? Because I know what I did to my kids. I know what I said about my coworkers. I I, I know what I, y'all know, y'all fill in the blank, right? You know what you did. You know what you didn't do. And in the back of your mind, if you are not utterly convinced that God is a good father, you will not trust that he'll meet your need. You'll not trust in his will. You'll be suspicious of his will. So God has a sequence and he has a logic in the format of the prayer. We begin by saying, God, you're good. You're a father who loves me, who loves me without condition. You're a father who's going to take care of me. You're a father who's going to provide for me. And we begin by saying, Lord, I realize that when I come into your presence, listen to this, guys. We are most aware of what we want. Okay, maybe it's just me. When I come into the presence of the Lord, I am most aware, I am most concerned with the things that I want. I am less aware of what I really need. There are things that I need. We, we confuse our wants with our needs, which we're going to talk about today. And we're less aware of what we really need. And we're least aware of what God wants. So when we begin by saying, let your kingdom come, not my kingdom. Let the things that are on your heart, let those things be done, not the things that are on my heart. We slow down in the presence of God and we allow him to condition and sanctify the nature of our petitions. We allow God to take the things that we want and to breathe upon them and to speak into them and to say, son, this really isn't a need. This is a want. We do this with our kids. So our kids will come every Christmas. Our kids will come every birthday. 
Our kids will come every other day of the year. They'll see something and they'll say, Dad, I need. Dad, you know we need that PS4, 5, 6, 8, 10. We need that. We need that. They'll come with their convincing arguments because the mind will justify what the heart wants. It's amazing. You can't get a kid to do their homework. You can't get a kid to understand a logical equation. But then when they find something that they want, the brilliance of God comes out of them. Oh, God, Dad, you don't really understand. The reason why we need this is because it's going to work on our hand-eye coordination. And when I get that hand-eye coordination done, it's going to help me be a problem solver so I can be a better. And they're like, where did this come from? You don't really need that. You, you just want that. That's why Jesus teaches us a logic to the Lord's Prayer. One of the things that I think is curious is that God creates us as creatures of need. He creates us to need things in order to live. In fact, if you would, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to begin with verse 7. Jesus begins before he ever teaches them this prayer. He begins by teaching them about prayer itself. And he talks with them about the motive of prayer. And here in verse 7, he says, When you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. But do not be like them, for your Father knows. Your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Thomas, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Point at someone around the room and just say, your father knows what you need before you ask him. I was thinking about this a couple of weeks ago as I was getting ready for this message and thinking about the Genesis account. In the book of Genesis, we find in chapter 1 that the earth is formless and void. It's full of chaos. It's empty. It's dark. There's nothing that's there. And before God ever creates the first human being, he takes five full days and half of another day in order to prepare the environment for the man and the woman to enter into. And the reason why is because your God knows what you need before you even ask him. Before you even opened up your mouth to breathe your first breath, God created an ecosystem that had the exact amount of barometric pressure and oxygen. Too little oxygen, you'd suffocate. Too much in your brain would explode. He created the environment that you needed because your God knows what you need. Before you ask him, he looked at the darkness and he said, I can't create humanity fumbling around in the darkness. So he speaks to the darkness and he says, let there be light because God knows that we need an ecosystem that has a sun that shines down light so that we can function in the day because God has created us with an assignment in our lives. And before you ever knew that you needed food in order to sustain your body, God created a seed. He created soil that was perfect for that seed. He created an environment that was perfect for that seed and that soil, and he planted that seed in the ground. And the scripture teaches us that he created fruit-bearing plants. And the plants began to grow, and he pulls fruit off of these plants. And before you even said, I'm hungry, he created a soil, he created a seed, he created an ecosystem, he created an environment, he grew it, he took it off, he chopped it up. And before you even knew that you were hungry, he had a meal for you.
Because God knows what you need before you ask him. One of the things I've been praying for my kids from the moment they were born, I said, God, don't let my kids wander. Don't let my kids wander. Being in pastoral ministry for 20 years, working with 20-somethings and young adults, I've seen what happens when people don't have a vision, a purpose, and a direction in their lives. And I see we make bad decisions when we don't have a purpose in our lives. We make bad decisions. We get entangled in wrong relationships. We give our time and our money and our energy. We give our heart to things that destroy us because we wander. And I said, God, would you redeem the life of my kids, redeem the years of their life, and don't allow my kids to wander as they wonder about what they were put here for. God, I want you, friends, I want you guys to know that before you ever knew that you had a purpose, God had already put a purpose inside of you because he knows what you need before you ask him. Scripture tells us that God puts the man into a garden and he says, son, I want you to tend this garden. I want you to protect this garden. I want you to make this garden fruitful. I want you to make this garden better than what it was before you got it because God gives man an assignment because God knows that man needs an assignment. So he creates an assignment and then he puts man in the assignment because in the assignment, God is not just fulfilling the assignment. God is growing the man. God is building something inside of you in the assignment that he sends you to. That's why your assignment matters. And before you ever entered into that assignment, God prepared it because God knows what you need before you ask him. Adam begins to name all the animals and there is an element of fulfillment that he gets in his purpose. But then he discovers that there is something that's missing. And God begins to look at his son and goes, it is not good that man be alone and so man falls into a deep sleep and god pulls out a rib and he puts it he oh he forms a woman a perfect helpmate for this man and then he says to the man this now is your woman she's bone of your bone and flesh of your flesh she's not underneath you she's not above you she's right next to you because both of you together will reveal my perfect divinity in the world And God provided a woman before man ever realized he needed a woman because God knows what you need before you ask him. There's a story in the scripture where there's a man by the name of Abraham who's laboring over the fact that his son needs a wife. And so he sends his servant out and he says, Eliezer, I need you to go back to my home country because I'm not grabbing a wife for my son amongst all these heathens. I need you to go back to people who I know who they are, and I need you to find my son a wife. And Eleazar goes, and here's what Abraham tells him. He goes, brother, you know when you get there, and he gives him specific direction. And Eleazar shows up into this neighborhood, and I want to tell you today that God had already chosen Rebecca before Eleazar got there because God knows what you need before you ask him. And prior to this, many of us know the story of Abraham. Abraham had been laboring for a child for years. God, give me a child. God, give me a child. And God shows up and says, I'm going to give you a child. In fact, I'm going to give you a child to be a blessing, to be a blessing to the nations. We know this story. It was impossible. It was supernatural. It was a work of the Spirit. It it should have not happened. At 100 years old, God opens Sarah's womb up and gives them a promised child. And imagine being Abraham. Imagine being Sarah. Imagine waiting for the promise of God. And then when this child grows to a certain age, the Lord says, Son, I need you to bring me your son, and I need you to lay your son down as a sacrifice. Abraham doesn't ask any questions. Scripture tells us that immediately that next morning that Abram gets up. I was talking with my boy a couple of weeks ago, and 
we were listening to this song called Gyra by Maverick City. If you've not listened to, if you've not heard Gyra, you got to listen to Gyra. Maverick City, Elevation Worship, Gyra. And this song is just over and over. The melody, the chorus is just talking about the fact that God is more than enough. And because God is more than enough, you are more than enough. You're more than enough. You're more than enough. You're more than enough. And it goes into Gyra, and Kenya's listening to this, and he says, Dad, what does Gyra mean? And I said, well, let me tell you the story about how Gyra came into being. Abraham has a son by the name of Isaac. God says, Abraham, I'm going to need you to bring your son to me. I know that I promised you your son. I know that you've been waiting. I know that you felt this was impossible, but now I need you to do something. I need you to trust me. I need you to bring your son to me. Abraham says, son, I'm going to carry the fire. You're going to carry the wood. And as they're walking up this mountain, Isaac looks at Abram and says, dad, where's the sacrifice? And he says, listen, son, the Lord will provide. They get up there to the top of the mountain. Abraham methodically begins to lay all of the wood out. Abraham begins to lay his son down. He lifts up the knife. And just as he's about to lift up the knife, an angel interrupts him and he says, Abraham, don't do this. For now I know that you truly trust God. And as Abraham looks, what does he find, friends? He finds a ram in the thicket. Because before Abraham ever got up and took that four-day journey, Before Isaac was ever born to Sarah, God had already put a ram up on top of that mountain because God knows what you need before you even ask him. Guys, God's preparing things for you. Just a few weeks ago, we were at Palm Sunday, and we discovered that Jesus knew that he had to enter into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, and he tells the disciples, go down the hill and go to this particular house, and when you get there, what's going to happen? There's going to be a donkey there, and there's going to be a man who's going to be willing to give you that donkey, and just in case he asks questions, just tell him the master needs it. And sure enough, imagine the very thing that Jesus told his disciples when they got down there, there was a donkey down there, because God knows what you need before you ask him. We find out in John chapter 14, I'm starting to find my rhythm now. We're, we found out in John chapter 14 that Jesus is about to go up into heaven and he tells the disciples, listen guys, where I'm going, you can't go. But listen, I'm going to prepare a place for you because God knows what you need before you ask him. I've come to give you good news today that no matter what situation you're walking in, no matter what lack, no matter what limitation you have in your life, God has already been working on it to provide what you need. But we have this massive conflict in the story because while God knows what we need, we think we know what we need. Genesis chapter 3, why don't we look at Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. We find that in Genesis chapter 3, there is a serpent who was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say, or we could say, does God really know what you need? I mean, I know this preacher is telling you that God knows what you need, but I'm here to ask you today, does does, does God really know what you need? And isn't that the inner voice that we listen to, whatever it is? Oh, God, I need sexual fulfillment. I know how to fulfill that for you. Right? I need a promotion. I need friends. I need community. I need someone who loves me. I need someone who's there for me. And here's what God says. Son, I know that you need this. Daughter, I know that you need this. And there is a way for me to fulfill this. And the enemy comes and says, does God really know how to fulfill this for you? Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from uh, fruit from the tree of the garden. 
we'll just keep going on here. You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, because if you eat of it, then you will surely die. Verse 5, for God knows that when you eat from it, watch this, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, and you will know good and evil. You'll know good and evil. In other words, you then will have the ability to determine for yourself what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is bad. So we began by saying that God creates us with a need, and the design of God is not only to create you with a need, but then to be the one who fulfills that need for you. This is the design of God. This is the logic of God. Every single one of us have needs. We have a need for significance. We have a need for security. We have a need for companionship. We need have a need for a destiny. We have a need to be people that walk in the image of God and bring forth the image of God into the earth. We have a, we have a need to be generous. We have, a, we have all of these needs. And where we trip up is when we think that we know how to satisfy those needs. And when this happens, there are three things that take place. Number one, Adam and Eve essentially say, God, we are going to provide for ourselves see the logic of God is I want to create you with a need and then I'm going to create you to be dependent on me to meet that need and when we sin we essentially say God I don't want you to meet my needs I want to meet my needs I want to be independent of you and independent from you in other words I got this I can take care of me I can (laughs) no you can't Maybe I don't got this. Why don't you look at somebody and say, you, you don't got this. You, you ain't got this. Oh. So we say to God that we are able to provide for our needs ourselves. The problem is when we try to provide for our needs, we will always run up against our own limitation. And the result of that will be lack. It will always be lack. In whatever environment or whatever arena, whatever the situation it is, when you provide, when you try to provide for your own needs, it will never be enough. So watch this, watch this. We think that we know what we need. God knows what you really need. We try to meet our own needs. It will never be enough. We allow God to meet our needs. It will be more than enough. The second thing that happens, we find, is not only does mankind say, I'm going to meet my own needs and I'm going to be independent, but I'm going to do it when I want it. So in other words, I'm going to get what I want and I'm going to get it when I want it. And when do you want what you want? Say it with me. Now. Your way, right away. Burger King just captured the effect of sinfulness on the entire human race. Not only do we want to provide our needs, we want to provide for them now. I got my son here in the room with me. Son, I hope this doesn't embarrass you. You may not remember this, but there was... There was a harvest party that uh, mom and dad were purchasing some big old massive bags of candy for. This is years ago. Twins weren't even born yet. And mom and dad were in 
we're in Walmart and you guys know those big aisles, like the entire aisle is filled with candy and we're just throwing bags in, bags, 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 bags of candy. And we're telling the kids, we're like, hey guys, listen, these bags of candy are for a harvest party and this is going, you're going to get some of this candy. All of this is yours, God tells Adam and Eve. All of this candy could be yours. This is yours. This is your inheritance, son. This is for you. And as I'm going up there grabbing Starbursts and Skittles and Twizzlers, all the things that he loves, I'm putting in the basket. In the corner of my eye, I see his jaws kind of chomping up and down. And I'm like, what are you doing, son? Mm -hmm. I said, open up your mouth. He opens up his mouth. He's got a chomped up Skittle in there. And I'm looking around and I'm going, how in God's name did he find the Skittle? I'm looking in the bags. I'm thinking something came out of the bag. I'm thinking, where in God's name did he find the Skittle? I get down on my hands and knees and I look under these industrial shelves. And have you guys ever looked underneath industrial shelves in a grocery store? They are disgusting. Sticky. It's like you can see the outline of spills that are now black because dust and grime and... I mean, for the sake of the listener, I'm not going to go into graphic detail on, like, what probably crawls all over all that stickiness. And there is a Skittle. There is just a handful of Skittles under there, and I knew exactly what happened. Out of the corner of his eye, he saw a Skittle down there. When I wasn't looking, he went down there, and the very thing I asked him not to touch, he touched. Because he says, I want what I want. And I want it right now. It doesn't matter that you have bags of candy for me. It doesn't matter that there's a party being thrown for me. It doesn't matter that I'm going to go and I'm going to have a bag loaded up with all of these things that are clean, mind you. I am going to go down there and while you're not looking, I am going to yank, because it was stuck, I'm going to yank this Skittle, one Skittle, one disgusting Skittle. And I just looked at him, and I just I held these bags of candy up. I said, son, was it worth it? Because you're not getting any of this. And that's what happens when we try to meet our needs and our timing. Listen, friend, your needs are legitimate. Your needs for companionship are legitimate. Your needs for significance are legitimate. But God has you in a process for a reason. God works in time. He creates time, and he uses time to build something in you that could not be built in you without time. Time is God's friend. Time is God's resource. See, when we choose to bypass the, the, the process, we end up losing opportunities. Because we're not ready for the opportunities that come our way because we didn't go through the process that God had for us. Wherever you are right now, I want to validate your legitimate need, but I also want to say, friend, listen, you are in a process, and God is using time to make you ready for what's on the other side of that. I was talking with a couple earlier this morning, and they said every difficult thing that we have gone through in our lives, we would not change it. It was hard. It was frustrating. It crushed us. It was anxiety-producing. We looked back. We didn't think that we were going to make it, but now on the other side of it, we're stronger, we're more faithful, we're more humble, we're more gentle, we have more trust in God, 
And we're able now to walk into that promotion because we're ready for that promotion. Before God ever promotes you, he's got to build you. Before God ever opens up a door, he's got to make sure you're ready to walk through it and stay on the other side of it. It's not enough to walk through the door. You got to stay on the other side because there's more doors for you to walk through. And if you can't walk through the first door because you're not ready internally, you're not going to be ready for multiple doors after that. There is a timing that God is working in you. The last thing that happens, not only does mankind say, I'm going to provide for myself an independence, which ends up in lack. Not only does the, the man say, I'm, I'm going to do this in my timing, which always ends up in a loss. The next thing that we find is that the man says, I'm going to determine for myself what I need. I'm not going to allow you to determine what I need. I'm going to determine what is good and what is bad, what is right and what is wrong for me. And what we have to come to grips with is what we think we need is not really a need. Most of the time, it's really a want. Most of what we say is a need in our lives really is a want that we have. It might have connection to a legitimate need in our life, but the way that we are parsing this out, the way that we are interpreting this need is really coming out as a want. And let me show you the difference here. God wants to meet your need in order to meet the needs of the people that are around you. And when we take our legitimate needs and we turn them into wants, we meet our wants at the expense of others. God meets our need with the inclusion of others. See, there's two main problems that happen when we turn our needs into wants and we assume that God is there in order to meet all of our wants. Number one, we do it at the destruction of ourselves. Would you imagine if you got everything that you wanted? God help us all. Last night, I went to this restaurant I haven't been to, and my, my brother and sister-in-law said, Jade, you've got to eat this dessert. Butter pound cake that was the most buttery, moist, delicious piece of pound cake I had ever eaten in my life. And I've eaten some good pound cake, folks. It had just the perfect amount of strawberry puree drizzled on top and all around. It had a perfect dollop of ice cream that was the perfect ratio of butter pound cake to ice. Because, you know, I don't know how you do it, but I've got to eat those things together. I've got to eat them together. So the ratio has got to be right, and the ratio was right. And I ate that, and I thought, I could eat this every day of my life. It's not a need. It's a want. Right? Let's all go to Lazy Dog after this. Y'all need to go to Lazy Dog. Check out that butter pound cake. I'm just telling you. It's not a need. It's a want. And if I consumed that want every day, all day, Turkish delight, just Turkish delight, just more and more and more and more and more, something would happen inside of my body. The body keeps the score. The body will tell on you. Can't breathe the same. Can't go up the stairs the same. Can't walk around the block the same. Right? Why is that? Because I consume not what I need, but what I want. I'm reading this book. It's called His Needs and Her Needs. 
It's a book on marriage. And this counselor talks about, he has counseled thousands upon thousands of people, and he has reduced the five most important needs that the wife has, five most important needs that the man has, and Christian and I are walking through this together, and all of these needs are good. He says the need, the, the wife has a need for intimate conversation. The man has a need for sexual pleasure. The woman has a need for intimacy and affection. The man has a need for recreational pleasure. I mean, so he's breaking all these needs down. These needs are great. There's nothing wrong with these needs. But what we do is then we assume that our need is really a want and we pursue our want at the expense of somebody else. So now, instead of recognizing that there is a legitimate need inside of me, which has a legitimate process for that need to be fulfilled, I go about trying to fulfill that need through the lens of a want, which is lust. And lust is the love of self at the expense of others. Love is the love of others at the expense of self. Love is willing to lay down my rights in order to bless somebody else. Lust says, I'm going to bless me at your expense. Think about money. This love is, and, love is never, and lust is never satisfying. Think about money. How much money is enough? There's an amount that you need. There's an amount that you want. And the amount that you want has no limit. Think about it, you're, if you're honest with me. Years ago, you said, Lord, if I could only make so much any, a year. Some of you said, if, if, I, if I can make so much a year, then I'd start tithing. But we're not going to preach on that message today. Because you've quadrupled that amount and you still ain't God get, giving God a dime. What you want is an open pit. Your needs have limitations. And when we say, God, give us this day our daily bread, we're saying, God, we trust you with our limitations. We trust that you have the wisdom on what I need. We trust that you're able to provide it. We trust that you know when I need it. And we trust that you know what the deepest longing of my life really is. I don't know if it was this Christmas or last Christmas, but I think it was this past Christmas when Wonder Woman 1984 came out. Those of you guys who haven't seen WW84, the entire movie is this message. Because the premise of Wonder Woman 1984 is that every human being who gets exposed to this particular mystical rock or whatever, they're able to get one wish. And this wish is fulfilled, and it's always fulfilled at the expense of someone else. This is the second thing that's problematic. Not only when we turn our needs into wants does it destroy us. But then it begins to destroy others around us. I got to get mine. You got to get yours. I got to get mine. You got to get yours. And so when I try to satisfy my wants and those wants come into conflict or competition with your wants, it breaks down relationship. It breaks down intimacy. It breaks down trust. It breaks down what God has designed to bring us together, when I elevate my wants over my legitimate needs, I will always do so at the expense of healthy relationship. Thank God we have a Savior. Because this is a mess. We are a mess. Because what we think we need is really just a want, and what we want, we pursue 
at the cost of ourselves and the cost of others. This is a very entangled situation that we are in. But Jesus. But Jesus. We said that the first problem that we run into is that man says, I'm going to satisfy my own needs. I'm going to provide for myself. I'm going to be independent. And we always run into limitation and lack when we attempt that. Jesus comes on the scene, and one of the first things that we find him doing is he's announcing the kingdom. There's a, there's a story where Jesus is out preaching, and there were thousands upon thousands of people that are joining him. And as he's preaching, the night is coming. Sun is getting lower. His disciples come, and they say, listen, you need to stop this nonsense because we have a mob in our hands, and these guys are hungry. They're hangry. Yeah, exactly. And Jesus says, that's great. Well, then you feed them. And they're like... We don't have what we need to meet their needs. And he says, well, let me take what you have. I need to say something today. I believe it's prophetic for some of you this morning. But when God asks you to do a difficult thing, if you'll just, give, if you'll just lean in with your yes, the provision is there. The provision is there. He's asked you to do a hard thing. You can ask. There have been certain people that are in this room. God asked them to go to our partner community in Eswatini, and they said, God, you want me to raise $3,500, $4,000? I don't have that. I don't have the time off. There's no way that I'm able to manage this with my home. But the Lord says, I'm asking you to go. And they leaned in, and they gave God their yes. And what happened? God provided. He took the loaves and the fishes. He took the little that we have. And this is the way that God works. You will never have enough. It's part of the design of God. You will never have enough for what God is inviting you into so that what you do, he can say you did it with him and not without him. And so they bring him the bread and they bring him the fish and he, he blesses it. And when he blesses it, something happens. The kingdom of God. Remember last week, let your kingdom come and let your will be done. When we say yes to God out of obedience and we bring to him the limited supply that we have, the kingdom of God breaks into the earth. It touches the little that we have and it expands it because God is the God who is more than enough. And when he's doing that, he's making an announcement. He is saying the kingdom of God has come. And in the kingdom, there is more than enough. Not necessarily for your wants, but for your needs. And for the needs of the people that are around you. The second thing that Jesus does, we find, is that Jesus is in the desert. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus comes up out of the water. He's propelled into the wilderness, and the enemy comes. The scripture tells us he's been fasting for 40 days, and consequently, he was hungry. And the enemy comes and says, well, you know, if you really are the son of God, if you are who you say you are, If your God is able to provide, if he really does know what you need before you ask him, why don't you go ahead and turn these stones into bread? And what the enemy was trying to get Jesus to do was take a shortcut on his timing. You can provide for yourself. You're strong. You're healthy. You're charismatic. You're talented. You're gifted. You have the education. You have the social network. You have the standing in the community. People like you. Make it happen. Make it happen. The mantra of the world is, you can do this, you got this, make it happen. The mantra of the kingdom is, give us this day our daily bread. And so Jesus says, man doesn't live on bread alone. It's not about that. I could do it, but sons don't have to prove themselves. Daughters don't have to prove themselves. What is this? What is this drive inside of me that I've got to prove to everybody? 
You know, if you really were a great pastor, you'd have a church that was running five services and that you would have thousands of people. You know what? I'm a son and I don't have to prove anything. And maybe God doesn't want me to have a church that size. Or maybe he just doesn't want that right now. Because he knows that there's something inside of me or something inside of you. He, know, he knows the process. So then the enemy comes to Jesus and he said, okay, fine. If you want to play that scripture game, I'm going to take you up to the top of the temple and throw yourself off. I can quote scriptures too. Because the angels, you know, you said you have angels and the angels are going to capture you. And Jesus recognizes and realizes the game that he's playing. You want me to ascertain glory without process. You want me to get what I'm supposed to get, what I've been promised to get. You want me to get the fulfillment of the kingdom, but you want me to get it my way and on my timing. Put the Lord your God to the test. That's what he says. Don't put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus answers this question for us in complete obedience to the Father. He says to the Father, your will, your wisdom, and your way, your timing. Here's where I want to land the plane this morning. We said that when we pursue our wants, we almost always end up doing so at the hurt or the destruction of ourselves or at the exclusion and the hurt of others. Maybe you're in this room today and you say, I got all that I need. I got all that I want. But what about the people that are around you? What about the people that are in your neighborhood? What about the people that are in the city that God's planted you in? Because here's what I know, that when you and I go about satisfying our wants, more toilet paper, more toilet paper, more toilet paper, more toilet paper. There's somebody else who woke up that morning with a family of six or a family of four. They weren't able to make it to the grocery store at 6 a.m., some ungodly hour like you were. Because they were a single mom and they had to put in an honest nine hours and they came at the grocery store at 6 p.m. Hoping and praying that there was a roll of toilet paper for them and their four kids and they roll up in there and guess what? There's no toilet paper because someone's got a pod that they've stashed over in their backyard that's loaded up with toilet paper. Why is that? Because we're afraid. And because the nature of sinful humanity is that we're going to provide for our wants at the exclusion, it doesn't matter if somebody doesn't have it. I, I, I'm going to take care of mine. I heard a pastor friend telling me this story. Just this week, he was telling me that his mom was a part of a, a Bible study group down in East Texas. And one of the ladies said, I have food and I have resources and ammunition for 18 months. And she says, and when the world falls apart, don't you dare coming to my place to get any of it. This is a Bible study. So with nothing but the sage wisdom of a woman of God, she looked back at her and said, you know what? I've got food for about six weeks. I tell you what, I'm going to come and share it all with you so that yours can last longer. Because apparently you need your 18 months more than I need my six weeks. One of the reasons why the Pharisees hated Jesus so much is because Jesus loved parties. Man, what I would give to party with Jesus. Oh, yes, Lord, it's coming. Jesus showed up at parties, and he always provided for parties, but he always showed up at parties with all the wrong people. Because all the people who, quote, unquote, deserved to be there didn't want the people who didn't deserve to be there to be there. 
And here's what Jesus was trying to get people to understand. When I come to your table, people that were previously uninvited to the table, when we say, God, give us this day our daily bread, we are making an announcement that the kingdom of God has begun. And in the kingdom, God wants every person at his table. And so you and I, we can live one of two ways. We can live hoarding to meet our wants. Or we can say, God, meet our needs. And in so doing, we meet the needs of the people that are around us. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Mm. If you're here today and you would say... I'm wrestling this morning with lack. And I need a revelation that God is the God who is more than enough. And I'm needing God to provide in a very real way. Friend, we want to be the family of God and pray for you today. Would you just lift up your hands? Father, today, would you bring right now very real, practical, physical provision? Bring provision. Would you meet the needs of your people? God, we pray, give us this day our daily bread. That daily bread could be a job. That daily bread could be a promotion. That daily bread could be a house that daily bread could be a place to stay it could be a relationship it could be legitimate need for companionship and god today we pray that you would meet our need today if you're here and you would say i'm wrestling with timing i'm wrestling with timing there are things that i want there are things that i desire the deepest longings of my heart they're burning inside of me and god has me in a waiting process right now and i want everything within me to bypass that waiting process. I want to make it happen on my own. I'm smart enough. I'm pretty enough. I'm handsome enough. I'm strong enough. But God is asking me to wait. And for whatever reason, every time I try to make this happen, I run into a dead end. If that's you, I want to pray for you today, God. I pray that for those of us who are in the waiting process, that the grace of God, the grace of patience, the grace of trust would be on my friends today. The grace to know that you are at work even when it seems like you are not at work. You're preparing something in me or you're preparing something in someone else or you're preparing a situation or you're getting things lined up exactly as they need to be lined up. And God, today, I pray that faith and hope and strength and grace would fill the hearts and the minds of my friends here today. God, we trust you. Give us this day, this day. Give us this day, today, this moment. Give us this day our daily bread, our sustenance, our strength, our comfort, our wisdom. We need it today. And God, we're asking that you would help us to trust you with the timing. And thirdly, if you're here and you're in a battle, you're in a battle of the will, you're in a battle of saying the things that I think that I need are things that I really want and I'm having a hard time letting go of what I want for what God knows that I really need Friend, I want to pray for you today. If you'd lift your hands up, Father, I pray that in the same way that Jesus was in the garden and Jesus wrestled, said, God, this is hard. This is a hard assignment. This is a crushing assignment. This is a difficult assignment that you've asked of me. And if I'm going to be honest with you, it's not what I want. I don't want this. I don't want to go through this dark night of the soul. I don't want to be beaten. I don't want to be abandoned. I don't want to die on this tree naked for the world to mock me. God, I don't want this.
there's something that you know that the world needs. And Father, I say to you, it's not my will, but let your will be done. Help us this day, O oh God, to with open hands hold our wants before you and invite you into the longings of our heart. God, you can sanctify the desires of our heart. You can purify the desires of our heart. You can resituate, you can relocate, you can reprioritize, you can reorder the desires of our heart. You can tell us that the thing that we're desiring is really not a need after all. God, you can speak into the longings of our heart. Help us this day, Holy Spirit, to trust God. Friends, as we come to this table today, we are making a prophetic declaration. And our prophetic declaration is that God is the God who meets our needs, that he is the God who is more than enough, that the kingdom of God has come and in the kingdom there is no lack. It's a prophetic declaration that God's timing is good and that God knows what you need. Friend, the Father knows what you need. So I wanna invite you to this table and I wanna invite you to this table to come with joy. Come with joy because this table is from the future. I said that first service, they all cocked their head at me like they didn't know what I was talking about. But my boy right here knows because he studied the table. This table has come directly from the future. It's a sample. It's a teaser. It's a taster. We're going to take this bread. We're going to take this cup today. And all it is, it's going to whet our appetite for the fullness of the feast of the kingdom that is to come. We're gonna taste this and we're gonna say, there is coming a day when every one of my needs are gonna be so deeply satisfied. There is coming a day when the king is coming and he is gonna rule and he is gonna reign and there will be no lack, there will be no sorrow, there will be no tears. And he will be the absolute and the utter fulfillment of every legitimate need in our lives. And when we take this, we are declaring to heaven and to the earth and to our minds and to the community of faith that God is our all in all. And when the kingdom comes, it will be more than enough. Friends, come on up to the table this morning. Friends, let's hold the bread up high. Jesus said in John chapter six, verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And today as you receive the body of Christ, 
It is a foretaste of the one who absolutely provides and the one who absolutely fulfills. Let us receive today the body of Christ. Thank you, God. And now with the cup, before you ever sinned, God made provision for it because the Father knows what you need before you even ask him. Before you asked him to forgive your sins, before you asked him to cleanse you of your guilt and your shame, the Father already made provision for you. Scripture tells us that from the foundations of the earth, there was a lamb, the son of God, In the foreknowledge of God, God knew that we would fall away from him and he made provision because the Father knows what you need before you ask him. Friends, I announce to you today that because of the work of Jesus, your sins are forgiven. Let us receive of the cup. (laughs) Ah, Come on, guys. Let's clap our hands to the Lord today. Everybody in this house, we clap our hands to you, God, today. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Let faith be awakened. Let trust be strengthened. Let hope be resurrected in the name of Jesus. Oh, let's sing a song of gratitude and thanksgiving to our God. Praise God from all blessings. to be a blessing so I got two things I want to do and very very quickly number one would you all stretch forth your hands to my friends over here they're going to be sent back to Detroit Michigan to a dear brother and friend of mine Bishop James Williams who's leading a ministry called Spirit and Truth and we just bless your house and we bless the ministry of Spirit and Truth we pray that it would prosper we pray that you would go back refreshed and restored and that you would carry bread and that you would carry water And that the life of the Spirit would overflow in and through you and it would touch all those that are around you. And that great wisdom and great strength would come on the people of God at Spirit and Truth for the assignment that God has for them to bring the kingdom of God to Detroit and to all those that you will touch. Now, friends, today, stretch your hands forth to somebody in this room. Just somebody. Find somebody. You're not here alone. There you go. Spread them all all around. And we send you out today. We send you to be carriers of bread. We send you out not to hoard bread, but we send you to be sharers of bread. We send you to be people that go to the table, and we send you to be people to host the table. And whether that be in a literal physical table group from Midtown, or whether that be in a figurative group, or whether that be inviting somebody to lunch, you, my friend, are sent in the name of Jesus. There is an assignment, there is a work, there is a neighbor, there is a coworker, there is a stranger, there is a foreigner. There is someone who needs your voice and your presence. May the gifts of God be activated in your life this week. May the strength of God anchor you this week. May the presence of God fill you and be poured out of you for the sake of the world this week. And now may you go forward in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. 
Hug somebody, love somebody, fist bump somebody before you leave and be sent into the world, Midtown. Love you guys.